Okay, we're recording. Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Uh, a little Zoom episode today, a day late. Sorry about that, but uh, joined today uh, with Jason. We got a full slate of games to talk about finally. Last episode, I guess we only talked about the one. Um, a little bit of around the league, a little bit of lineup changes that are coming with the Toronto Maple Leafs, some injury news, and uh, a whole lot more. Jason, how's it going today? It's going all right. It's going all right. Tough. Tough last couple of games for the Leafs. Um, hoping we can get the next set of games started on the right foot. Um, other than that, happy happy to get started. Yeah, I mean they are two and one since we last talked, so it's That's not like true. the end of the world. It is they're two and two on the season, which I believe they did also start last year two and two, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Two and one without Austin Matthews, and then they lost the first game with him. So obviously not the end of the world. No reason to overreact. However, However, we're going to react. (laughs) We're going to react appropriately, we'll call it, to the situation at hand. Um, Let's get into the games that happened this week. So we had the Washington Capitals in town on the back-to-back. Both teams are on the back-to-back. Leafs home opener, actually. Uh, Last Thursday, we had the Senators on Saturday. And then we had the Arizona State Coyotes on Monday, which was... uh, a stinker and I almost feel bad if you went to that game because yeesh. But, I mean, hey, the fan the fans let everyone know how they knew at the game how they felt. So what are your opinions on that when like if you boo the home team? It's not great. Like obviously a terrible look, but again, like the, the context of this situation really matters. The Leafs have mm-hmm. been unable to get out of the first round for years. Um mm-hmm. the Leafs have also it's been a constant critique of not only this Leafs team, but even of Leafs team of previous Alex in the 2010s, 2014s. It's like, it seems like we cannot, like, we cannot play a full game against these not so great teams. We cannot just put it all together. And I know it's like such a silly thing to say, but it's like, how many times, like how many times is this going to happen? It feels like it happens every time. And I don't know, like the Dom tweeted out something and I can't tell if it's a joke or not. And I don't know no, if that makes it I don't it better. think it is. I don't know if that makes it better or worse if I can't tell if it's a joke, right? Because like the, 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 the minus worst 200. team in the league when playing yep. teams that they're minus 200 or greater, yep. they For were minus who, 500. Crazy. For those who don't know, minus 200 is an implied probability of 66%. And even if you don't believe in the betting market. So what's minus 500? Minus 500. It's got to be almost 90%. I don't know off the <laughs> top of my head, but like. And they lost. The fact that they are the worst team in the NHL at winning when they have a uh, implied probability of 66.7% is like, that's, that's terrible. And I mean, who's, who's to blame here? Like, I don't want to put blame on people. It was kind of funny though. When that line came out, everyone was just like, yeah, we're going to (laughs) lose. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I'm not going to lie. I I built a parlay and I had the coyotes plus one and a half. I knew that they were either. Did you have Nick Ritchie scoring in there? I did not, but we were joking around. We were joking around about Nick Ritchie scoring. Him and Travis Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. Travis Boyd didn't play long enough, though, for him to have a revenge game. I guess he did, but, like, minutes-wise and role-wise, I feel like it applies more to the guys who are... Yeah, Nick Ritchie was the major revenge game because he was literally traded with assets to to get the hell out of here. He was demoted from the first line eventually to the fourth line. I mean, was that really the Leafs' fault? (laughs) But No, it 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 wasn't. Let's be honest. He's played terrible, like... When he was here, he, mm-hmm. he got a gift to play with literally two of the best players in the NHL, two guys who made first team all-star. He got oh, yeah. a gift and he lost it. It's his fault. It's no one else's fault, but we are the Leafs. So this stuff happens to us. That's, that's just the way it exactly. is. Exactly. Not to mention he's a hometown hometown kid as well from uh, Orangeville, Ontario, but yeah, Nick Ritchie's off to a, a decent start this year. That was his third goal. His goal was a beautiful play. Uh, uh, we'll get into we'll get into the Coyotes game. We'll get into Let's that, talk yeah. about this Capitals game. Did you get a good look at this one? Uh, I didn't get the greatest look at this game. I'm just trying to remember which game this was. So this was they you were want to lead us up in. Yeah, one lead nothing. Us in. They went down two one, obviously, um, and then they ended up winning the game three two. It was Samsonov's first start. He looked, I'll say overall, I thought Samsonov this week through his two games looked okay. Um, the second goal on Johansson was horrific. He was just not squared up to the shooter at all. I saw someone and I, I, it, this boiled my blood that someone tried to compare that goal to the Andre Palak goal in game six against Jack Campbell. Number one, that was the Palak goal was a giveaway at, 
in the neutral zone, which makes it more difficult for the goaltender. Number two, that was a breakaway from a great spot. Number three, that's Andre Pilati. He's a 20-goal goal scorer. And number four, Marcus Johansson was on the face-off dot. Those goals cannot be compared to one another. Uh, on that Marcus Johansson goal also, I don't know what the hell Morgan – I've been saying this a lot. What is Morgan Riley doing on defense? But we'll get into that more in a second there. But So they were down 2-1, not the greatest goal against. The first one even, he didn't play it as well as he could have, but it was a good chance in front. I thought the Leafs really rebounded – stronger there we saw a little bit of life from Matthews uh we saw a nice hit from Matthews as well um that was the game the rock came out actually too so that was kind of funny to see but after yeah the rock came out so we got a little bit of life there we got a little bit of juice Matthews hit a little bit of juice otherwise the crowd is given an f on that game they're they were the most silent crowd I've ever heard in my life you could hear a pin drop in there but I thought the Leafs played okay in that one Alex Kerfoot had a pretty good game. Uh, Yarn Crock as well. The big guys did all right too. And I don't think Washington really outplayed them at all. I thought the, the Leafs were mainly in control. Just Charlie Lindgren looked, we talked about him in the summer. He looked good. <laughs> he looked really good out there. Can we get you as the uh, head scout for the, for the Toronto Maple Leafs goalie coach instead of whoever's I wouldn't have right been able now? To because guess. that was a, that was a Kevin Woodley. That was a Kevin Woodley one. He was the one that said, uh, Watch out for Charlie Lindgren. But, All right. Well, uh, frick it. Get Kevin Woodley in there because, yeah. like, I hate to be that guy, but I, and I know I don't want to, uh, yeah, jump the gun on this, but Matt Murray's not, not looking too great right now. So, so I mean, we can just get into the, the Senators game on Saturday. Um, yeah. Let's get into that. I had a whole My, slate I wanted to accomplish Saturday morning and it just got derailed by, Oh, Matt Murray is uh, skating off gingerly. I'm like, geez, my God, we're into this already. This is game. Number three, I think it was, someone tried to say, oh, no, he's, he's faking it because he doesn't want to play his former team. They heard well, me. No. They heard me. Yeah, that was exactly. me. <laughs> no, no, no. Exactly. Well, now he's on LTIR. He, can, he can't play for at least 10 games, but I think this is going to stretch out a little further. So we'll see. We have Eric Schalgren up, which it was an interesting situation to start that game because Eric Schalgren got run over the night before. Joseph Wool is injured. And the least only other signed goaltender is in Sweden right now on a loan. So he wouldn't have been able to come over. So they were looking at an amateur tryout situation, but they didn't need to. Shalgrim was healthy enough to play, to back up that one. Again, in that one, Samsonov on Saturday, I thought he was okay again. Like the first goal, he was way too deep in his net and his feet were moving. The second goal, it's a scramble. It happens. On top of that, a few other plays, I just felt like he was sliding when he shouldn't have he was way his reads weren't looking that good like this whole week Samsonov went two and oh like two goals against in each of the games but yeah I thought he was okay I think there's still some improvements to be made and you know what he's a 1997 born he's he's younger than Eric Schalgren so it's not out of this world that he gets better this season as it progresses it's also a new team in front of him so it's again you get a little bit of leeway there but you know not the most Im impressive we'll call it yeah um, and and uh yeah like, i mean we need him to at this point because right now for sure matt murray is on ltir so he's going to be gone minimum 10 games so uh it's Ilya samsonov's job to take care of that net right now he's the, he's our guy shalgren we know yeah. what he is he's an ahl goalie who can fill in kind of like I don't know, like, a, a, I guess jo age, Jonas Johannesson is like, is a fair comparison for him. I don't know if that's like an AHL guy who can come up and is playing NHL games because I don't know what, what teams are seeing in Jonas Johansson. It's not even like Jonas just, Johansson is like young. He's a 1993 born. Yeah, we all no, saw just, the tweet. We've all seen the tweet about the Buffalo beat writer calling him the worst goalie he's ever seen. Yeah. I, I was just more thinking of the Colorado when he was on Colorado two or three years ago, when he was coming up in relief because yeah. they had so many guys hurt. That's it's, kind of the situation. Shulgin's it's like in Tukarski right now. kind of level. Yeah. But um, with this game, in too. yeah, this game in particular looked a lot different than last game, just based off the shot charts. Like again, like the I, Senators the one. Thing, yeah. The same thing we yes. were looking at last year. I want to look at that this year because it's clearly, bit, it was a problem before we got Labushkin. We no longer have Labushkin. And on top of that, we might have more injuries to our decourse. We're, we, we're, we're going to keep monitoring this. Like, we got too many shots from the slot again. Like, we just got to mitigate game? that. Yep. Big blue circle in the shot in, in, the, in the middle of the ice. I thought I they, took care of, they took care of business pretty well in that game. Like, 
Fair Samsonov did have to make a couple good saves, but in this one, like I think it was Cam Sharon. We've been referencing his charts after, like yeah. in, internally, after every single game. If you haven't given him a look on Twitter, C A M S H A R R O N. He's a former Leafs analyst. He worked for the Leafs for eight years, and he's been putting out these free analysis of games, analyses of games. They're incredible. And one stat he had in there was the Leafs had 16 offense. I believe it was shot assists or 16 passes. We'll call it within the offensive zone to Ottawa's eight. I thought the Leafs really did a good job of uh, clogging up the lanes. We saw a lot of good block shots from Justin Hall, obviously who had a monster game in that one, not so much Monday, but he had a monster game on Saturday. Uh, We saw a really good block from Austin Matthews. I mean, a little bit scary because it was a good chance late. And also it went off like the very end of the wrist guard or the, the cuff of Matthews's glove that could have been detrimental to our entire season, but thank God it was not uh, on top of that. Austin Matthews was throwing the body blocking shots. He assisted on the tying goal. Um, he was, he, he was all over the place without, I don't know. He didn't create the most amount of offense I would call it, but like, he was trying to get back into it, you know, get his legs under him. Uh, but yeah, I thought the Leafs in the, the the game against the Sens, they went down early, but, you know, I thought they outplayed them as well as were, you know, showing some showing a little bit of grit to them, right? Thought it should have been a higher score. I, I thought the differential should have been a lot more, but, you know, I'll take a win, right? Yeah, yeah. And again, Sens go up early. Leafs claw back. It's a good, good comeback, but yeah. let, let's not leave it to two minutes left in the third period to, to finish yeah. out that game, right? They scored at the end of the second. They scored about halfway through the third on the power play, right? Around there. And then after they scored on the power play to make it 2-1, Ottawa came back, right? Yes. Or am I mixing them up? Yeah. And no, then that makes sense. Yep. And then, uh, yeah. Let, let's, Ottawa tied it late. Leafs came back late. Yeah. Let's let's. Hall. Let's avoid that in the future. So, uh, no yeah. offensive defenseman, Justin Hall. I said, I said some, some hilarious no. things after the game. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but I can't remember. What I, I don't even want, I don't even want to say on the podcast, but yeah, anyways. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it was bananas. It was more of a, a couple drinks joke kind of thing than serious, mm. but, um, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Just that, just based, that Matthews to Nylander goal in that game was beautiful. Oh, a little. Yeah take the puck from uh, well, Matthews, you know, you, you expect him to shoot. He's a 60 goal goal scorer and then feeds it across to Nylander who off the catch and release is fantastic. Not only can he play like his, he's a right-handed shot. Not only can play the left side where he can hit the one timer also being on the right side, he can play the catch and shoot extremely well. So yeah, just something to, to make a note of for William Nylander, uh, Nylander there, but yeah. Let's get into the Monday game a little bit. Uh, this the game sucked. Yeah. It was boring. Terrible. It was terrible. Uh, the Leafs got a power play early and then proceeded after that power play to hold the puck for five minutes, it's felt like, in the Arizona zone. Not literally five minutes, more like two straight minutes, which if you're playing defense for two straight minutes, that's that's a bagger on you. You really got to be tired. You'd think that the Leafs would be able to finally like break the shell, be able to get something in there, but it only resulted in one shot on net, which is extremely disappointing there. And then after that, I mean, Sheldon Keith said, Oh, I felt like they, they just kind of lulled us uh, after that. Like that's the, one of the worst excuses I've ever heard in my life. Um, aren't you the coach? Like, aren't you supposed to help to mitigate that? But you know, yeah, that's, that's literally like, your job. Right. But anyways, sorry. Yeah. Um, in that game, the Gosses bear slap fake slap pass, I guess the, Fake slap shot pass to Nick Ritchie uh, in the in the bumper there. That was disgusting. Shane Goss's bear is on a heater this year, such as he was last year, too. I mean, the Flyers really got to be kicking themselves to be paying assets to get rid of this guy just to be to they paid, I think, a second and some odd second to get and rid like of a him. couple like late round picks, like a four yeah, or seven to get rid like of that. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And then they trade a second and a third and sign Tony D'Angelo two years, five mil per. Goss's bear is less expensive than yeah so yeah um and i think we talked about it at the time last year i swear or yeah last year we had him as a bounce back candidate 
And we were hit the nail on the head with that one, right? Like we, his, Josh is going to be really happy here in that one. <laughs> we did. We did. He was, it was on the Josh. list. Josh yeah. had him as his uh, underrated player or bounce back. I don't know what, which one. Well, it, it was bang. And he was right. I mean, yeah. Nail on the head. The guy still has obviously it. talent, but it's just like offensive talent. Just got to play yeah. him in an offensive role. Right. Exactly. Or else, you know. Yeah, exactly. But, I, I wonder if he's a guy who like teams will look into at the trade deadline. I feel like he has one more year left and he's like the perfect kind of fit for like a playoff yeah. team that needs a little bit more from their back end. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, I was going to say like, Oh, like Florida, if they want a little assistance on the power play, but they have, they have no, they assets, more than they that, have no defensemen. They have, yeah, they're in trouble there. We'll get into that in a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, I mean, who, what team, would really benefit from like a third pairing first power play, second power play guy. I mean, huh. That'd be an interesting case study and something to, to keep an something eye to on get there. into later. Maybe yeah, signs but... an extension. Who knows? They, they literally have nobody in Arizona there, but I want to get into a few notes in this game. It felt like Arizona in this one just crashed in front of the net. Uh, same similar to what Montreal did and then played the kind of, they scored two on the power play um, and just kind of played the, react rebound and react kind of thing. They, they were able to crash the net. Well, and the Leafs didn't get many chances. I would say up until the third period where they scored two goals should have been three, but one note that uh, Cam Sharam was making in his post game notes there. And it showed in the, in the statistics as well for zone entries, the Leafs were putrid when it came to zone entries, John Tavares couldn't get the puck and he turned it over at the offensive blue line four times in that game. So maybe there's a sign you shouldn't be, you should be leaving the puck carrying to someone else. But anyways, um, on top of that, Mark Giordano was one of the more successful Leafs players on this whole roster to be able to get the puck in, right? Like that just kind of showed that the Coyotes stood strong at the blue line and didn't allow the Leafs in. And it was, it, it stifled them off the rush. And then off the cycle, they had extreme troubles. They kept missing the net and they missed the net at least seven times in the first period. I want to say. Yeah, but about that, I don't know. I can I can take a look right now and see what the the yes. Corsi for uh, shot attempts was. Uh, uh, I'll keep waffling but, here. But yeah. in terms of Shogren, he gave you one good save, but I don't know what else you really expect from him. The there wasn't much volume against him, and then the the, the goals I thought were pretty nice. I don't think he really gave up any stinkers. But, but yeah, I, I have it right here. Corsi for thirteen, so that's that's thirteen shot attempts. Four ended up on net. So. Either someone's Lovely. blocking it or blocking. someone's missing the net. Let's let's re re. Yeah. I forget the, what the word is. I'm just gonna rejig, not, recalibrate, rejig, yeah. recalibrate, recalibrate the sights. That's what yeah. it is. It's so, funny though that they were getting shut down. Like Chickram wasn't in this game. They were getting shut down by Dyson Mayo, Josh Brown, who is a defenseman. He plays hockey. That's that. He um, is a defenseman who plays hockey. He's a that's defenseman, um, and some other guys. I can't even remember. But anywho, yeah. Uh, in terms of the lead, like they were finally able to break through in the third. I just don't understand what was happening in the first and the second there, how they weren't able to, you know, it was kind of luck. Like when you look at the Nylander goal, John Tavares shot blocks ends up on, right in front of the net and Nylander cleans it up. Like even the, the Kerfoot should have been goal. Like to Mitch Marner flips it up. Uh, Troy Stetcher. That's another defenseman. He plays hockey. He was on Detroit, I believe, last year and L.A. Uh, Troy Stetcher tries to knock it out of the air. John Tavares ends up with, or sorry, Nylander, I believe, ends up with it. And then it ends up to Tavares on net and then off a rebound. Like these situations that I'm describing, it was like off of this, off of this, off of this, off of this, off of this. Like it was all just kind of randomness. They weren't really moving the puck quick enough, I felt like. Like even if it's not the greatest shot, just send it to the net low, try to hope for a rebound, a tip, something or another, right? That's kind of got to be the strategy when teams are closing in down low. I, I, I mean, it's not going to be perfect. And it, I feel like when teams crash down low and you kind of get that habit of cycling from the outside, you get, correct me if I'm wrong, I could be galaxy brain. I could be making something up totally off my ass. You, when you, you have that time and space on the outside, you kind of wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's try to get a perfect situation because we have the time. We're able to move. We're able to handle the puck. Uh, like there's lanes to pass the puck. However, they're not in high danger situations. So you kind of just wait. Uh, you almost wait out yourself and then the puck ends up the other way. 
So in games like that, you just got to kind of fire it towards the net and hope for a tip. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like make sure you don't, you're not hitting bodies in front of you and make sure it gets to the net, look for that lane, create the lane with deception or movement. Um, but and move it quickly. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, too a little too patient. I think I, th- I get yeah. what you're saying there. A little too yeah. patient, um, because at the end of the day, like if you just if you're just going to sit there and wait, wait, like you're going to lose the puck. But yeah. Um, so we kind of summarized all three games that happened from this week. You had a note that you wanted to mention about Morgan Riley. Yeah, I, I first I want to mention uh, Jake Muzzin thing. So Jake Muzzin got hurt that game, and it was a completely scummy hit by Clayton Keller. Um, I don't know how that a that wasn't a penalty. B there was nothing. Nothing talked about after the game. I looked it up on YouTube a day later. So it's called a collision. Clearly followed through. And, like, I get it. Uh, you're, you're trying to be, like, a little gritty. But, like, you just don't have to do that to a guy who has serious, like, neck and head injuries. I thought and I saw some intention. Career. There, uh, for sure. He, he followed through with his hands. It's crazy. It's honestly crazy. And, like, if we consider the suspensions that we've been levied as a result of players getting hurt, like, I understand um, – the, the the Jason the, sorry the Jason Spezza suspension on on Josh Morrissey I get it wasn't the greatest hit but like let's oh, be honest he he got he got wait hold on let, let me finish my point though he got that many games as a result of the injury he probably would have gotten less games if Josh Morrissey wasn't on concussion protocol for two days right I think that's fair to say he got seven games we've never seen a a, a suspension handed out like that to any player who's who's not a repeat offender before it's the first time that's ever happened you gotta you gotta consider the injury as a factor there if you're if you're interfering with a guy who doesn't have the puck who wasn't near the puck who gets injured and is potentially out long-term minimum three games right now I mean I'm not I'm not saying that he should have been disciplined at the very least there should have been a call on the play and it's tough because we lost that game because of a call uh the uh, the review booth in Toronto called back our goal. It's not even the officials on the ice. So tough pill to swallow. And on um, top of that, that Cali Yarncroft penalty was kind of horseshit. Like, yeah, that was, that was terrible. It was the type well. of stick and Goss Bear just dropped it. Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't I, love I, that penalty. Like I remember, I remember watching a game where someone on the Leafs got their stick lifted and it flew up in the air. I can't remember. Yeah, it was sometime last year. And it's like, how is that any different? Like, it's just yeah. hold on to your stick, buddy. Like, uh, like, he came it's, down on it, but it didn't break, and he just dropped his stick. But Cal yeah, Yarncroft taking two penalties and then Arizona scoring on both of those penalties, that's uh, that's a tough break. But. Hey, Yarncroft, welcome to Toronto. You, you, you probably weren't getting those calls in Seattle and Calgary, but now you're here, All you're right. under the microscope, you're probably going to get those. Hey, I don't know. Um, but right. anyways, that was just the point on Muzzin I wanted to make. I was yeah. honestly really disappointed with that. That was just honestly sad because again, we love Jake Muzzin here. We understand his flaws. He hasn't been the greatest in the regular season. It just sucks to see a guy like that get hurt on like literally a nothing play. And yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. What about, um, Morgan Riley? He's, uh, I, I swear he might be in the lead for the green jacket this year. What's the green jacket? I've never heard of that term before. Uh, it's Mike Commodore. I believe it was Mike Commodore started a few years ago and it's the team or he, he was the one who put it on Twitter. I think teams mm-hmm. have been doing it for a while, but it's when you lead the team, you have the highest, the highest minus in the league. Yeah. Uh, well, Morgan Riley's close. He's actually, he's, he's not first. He's uh, behind a couple of Minnesota players who lost Holy, some yep. seven, eight <laughs> games because Minnesota has been terrible. But if you think about how how few goals against the Leafs had in four games, Morgan Riley's been on for seven of them. Um, let okay. me do uh, that's that's at five, at five on five on, at five on five. I don't know how many five on five goals the Leafs uh, were got got they scored against. Scored many. They haven't scored many against or four. Four. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm strictly talking about five on five against he has yeah. two five on five goals for seven against that's second in the league Jonas Broden is tied with him for seventh, and uh Dmitry Kulikov on Anaheim has 10 goals against so not great company to be around you're you're yeah. surrounded by guys who are playing in literally seven six games um so uh I, I I understand that he's obviously not a defensive defenseman and don't get me wrong like he only has two more goals against than TJ Brody it's not that that big of a deal but Hey, we, we like to hold Mitch Marner accountable. We like to hold Austin Matthews accountable. Let's start holding Morgan Riley accountable, right? He's making seven and a half million dollars this year. His contract's kicked in. So let's let's see a little bit more. He's got to be years. better. JT, hey, JT Miller was uh crap basically crapping on himself saying that he needs to be better. He's a forward. Like well, he's about- been uh, absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Yeah, but, but he hasn't been on the ice for as many goals as uh as uh Morgan yeah, Riley. Morgan Riley. Five. And mind you, again, Morgan Riley plays a ton of minutes. I'm just saying, like 
this is a criticism of Morgan Riley's game. It's been a criticism his entire career. He's got to improve on this. If he wants to be a seven and a half million dollar defenseman in my eyes, he has to get better at these things. Simple as that. Yeah, that's true. It's been kind of tough, especially on uh, like his rush defense, his decision-making, um, his decision to challenge the puck carrier at times seems a little bit hazy. I don't understand why sometimes he just, he kind of sits back and waits to pay, play the pass, but then, he doesn't even get down to block the passing lane. It just goes right through him as well. So he's just kind of a passenger back there. But exactly. we've seen some examples of uh, some really bad defending this year. I mean, Ekman Larson and Quinn Hughes were on the ice. Uh, that was, uh, I believe, was JT Mil- No, that was a different goal I'm looking at. Anyways, the Canucks are a complete disaster in their own end. Um, Thatcher Demko must be thanking god that he has already signed his contract because his numbers are not going to look too they're not good. looking good and then when you have a they start won't. like that it's it's tough to come back from right when you're when yeah. it's a percentage well, based number I mean, yeah not, yeah it, it affects you but it's it's like you can rebound if you play yeah. well it's like the jack campbell thing though right he started yeah. out so hot and then because he had a streak of so many poor games people just forget about how good he was at the beginning of the year but maybe maybe the recency bias is going to help him out so if he's terrible at the beginning and hot at the end people are going to be more favorable towards that yeah. and vice versa could um, also be like the john Gib- gibson effect i mean gibson hasn't had good numbers for a while and we just go ah it's the defense yeah fair enough it's yeah like, i mean it is kind of true but it's it, also it, like, it is it's a it's it's a little bit of both is it the chicken or the egg it's probably both um yeah. and then just one last thing for morgan riley uh i just wanted to touch on that rush defense point like he hasn't been good at it this year you're right if, and if you watch the one of the goals against Washington, it was again. This is it was the Johansson one where it was a really shitty goal, but like mm-hmm. it should he should have never gotten he didn't the shot challenge. Him. Yeah, he didn't challenge like, Johansson was, at all. If if you I want I want you guys to actually go back and watch that goal because like watch it and, and wonder to yourself what Morgan Riley's doing. He's basically in the slot before the puck enters the zone, and then he doesn't challenge him until he gets into the home plate. And then yeah. Johansson's able to get off a shot in the home plate. And that's not good enough. We don't. It's we don't... a challenge between Riley and Samsonov, who could play it worse because Samsonov exactly. was not square to the shooter. No, nope. Riley did not challenge the shooter. Like, well, it was I, a I, mess. I, I don't. Samsonov should not have let that in. But I wonder how much of that was him expecting Morgan Riley to step. No, just stop. I don't that. know. Hey, I don't know. I'm just, 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 just spitballing here. <laughs> I know um, what you mean. But, but yeah, yeah, those are two good, really good points there. Uh, let's get into some lineup changes. Uh, Dennis Malgin. Out. I mean, he's been invisible since he scored against Montreal. Hasn't really been transporting the puck much. Hasn't really been a threat off of the puck. Like the physicality, I guess he's trying to throw the body, but it's not really that noticeable. Um, as we mentioned, I mean, he looked good in the preseason, but guess what? From the preseason to the regular season, it gets that much tighter. The guys get that much bigger, that, that much stronger, that much better, that much smarter. How can you adjust with that game? And it hasn't been too, too pretty. So you know what? Let's put in Nick Robertson. Nick Robertson's filling in right in his spot on a line with John Tavares and William Nylander. Uh, I really like this. I mean, Nick Robertson, as we've seen, he has a harder shot. Um, uh, foot speed is about similar. Uh, I really like Nick Robertson's playmaking ability as well. And you know what? He's probably hungry. I mean, 100%. he's been cut from the team now three, three years in a row, right? When yeah. it, there's been a possibility, hey, could he make it kind of thing? So let's see what Nick Robertson can do. I think that heavy shot is going to be very welcome because when you look up and down the Leafs lineup, other than like Matthews is an obvious one, William Nylander has some velocity to his shot, but like who else really has a a high velocity shot? Mark Giordano. I don't know who else. Really? Like, I I don't don't know. On forward, I mean, nobody. Yeah, no one. No, exactly. Maybe maybe (laughs) Marner, if he's Mm, truly working on his uh, slap shot. No, his his is more placement and finesse. Yes, exactly. Exactly. um, So, Sheldon Keith did announce that there was going to be lineup changes after the Arizona Coyotes game. Those lineup changes were just that. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) It was the most obvious one. It was Maligan out, Robertson in. I thought there was going to be a big shakeup because he did have different lines rolling in the third period. He went with um, third line center was camp left wing was bunting right wing was Engvall second line was JT Marner and Cali Yarncroft, And then first line was Matthews Marner and Alex Kerfoot. Right. So yeah. I've got what a do question you th- about what do you th- him in a second. Yeah. Go yeah on, what do you think about, what do you think about that deployment? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I got to watch some other games and see like when Fair. teams fall behind against teams that they should be beating, like, or 
on teams falling behind in general, like even by a couple, like, is it normal to just like, just blend your lines, like put them into the blender. Like we, we always see this from Sheldon Keefe and I find it so weird. Like well, I understand if you're, Oh, let's take out Malgin and then put someone else there, but then you moved bunting down and then. I yeah. My, my, my main, well, we, we kind of saw it with Tampa Bay in the playoffs uh, last year against us, right. There would be times where the fourth line just wouldn't play. And I can, oh, yeah. I can understand moving David kind of off the fourth line into like the third line to replace Dennis, not directly re- replace Dennis oh, Malgin. Okay. Yeah, but sure. if you're as a, a nine group, replace Dennis Malgin in that nine. I just don't agree with the Kerfoot up on the first line, Bunting yeah. on the third line. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's a good use of Michael Bunting. I think you should be trying to get Michael Bunting as many minutes off that top line as possible. That's what should be happening. I don't think we should separate it. Last year, yeah. from January onwards, when they were together, they were the best line in the NHL. We were saying yeah. that the entire year. Uh, some people thought it was the Dallas line. Some people thought it was the Calgary line. I, I still think this yeah, is the best. Still the Leafs. This, this is the best line in the NHL right now. So um, On top of that, like the production hasn't been what it was, but I also think like, it feels like they're still trying to find each other almost like I I'm watching them do very similar things to what they were doing last year. Puck goes into a corner, two guys attack, one guy swoops in, takes it, feeds the other guy. But then it's like a skip and then the timing's a little bit off and like, it, it feels just a little, little bit off. And I mentioned Saturday, like I wouldn't mind them splitting up this line for like two games and then putting them back together in the end. Like this line shock. needs to be back. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Kind of give them Recalibrate. a hall pass, recalibrate, yeah. get calibrated out but, there, right? So yeah, we'll. I think it will. Even if they keep them together, you know, I think they will start to to find each other there. Um, and on top of this, in terms of lineup changes, we do have one other one because of injuries. Um, I believe it's going to be T.J. Brody, Morgan Riley, per usual. The second line is now Rasmus Sandin and Justin Hall, which we did get a taste of last year. I thought potentially it would have been Giordano, but you know what? Make that lineup a little more even. Who cares? And then the third pairing is now Mark Giordano and Victor Mete, Woodbridge's finest. Uh, they did also call up Philip Kroll um, because uh, who else? We need a seventh defenseman. Yes. That's correct. right. Because Jake Muzzin's hurt. So if Jake Muzzin's out, we don't yes. want to roll with six. Just want yeah. to have seven. So just after the case. Matt Murray injury, and, that's where they called up Robertson, Mete, and Simmons. Yes. And then after the Muzzin injury, they called up Philip Crawl. There we are. Yes. And the the, in, the little quirk and interesting thing about the Muzzin injury, he's actually put placed on regular injured reserve. Re, excuse me, regular injured reserve, not LTIR. And not what is the difference between the two? Difference is regular IR, you don't get the cap relief. LTIR, you get the cap relief. I can understand and it. For, there's one other difference. What's the other difference? Did I miss something? Minimum of three, uh, maximum, or sorry, uh, minimum three games you miss with regular IR. LTIR, it's minimum 10 games. So okay. we could see Jake Mazin back soon because they're treating it as a concussion, not a neck injury. Um, but yeah, one other note on the Muzzin injury. It sounds like Marner is like, I don't know, like writing his wake right now. Like it, it's, it's crazy. Well, we're hearing, oh, well, I just really want him to be healthy for his family. Like, I understand he's had injuries, but like, I didn't realize it was this bad. Like, I, I wonder if it's similar to what maybe uh, Eichel had with his neck. Cause like, if it's not, they said it wasn't a concussion and it's not his head. And if he, he's, he's known to have oh, back really? issues. So it must be like a spinal thing. I don't know. Again, I'm not a doctor. No one take this. I'm just like trying to read between the lines here. I have no idea what it could be. Yeah. But there, uh, 42 minutes ago, as of when we're recording this, uh, Dreger did. Uh, say on overdrive that he heard he's going to be out lo- a long, long time. His words, um, Dreger also, I don't know, maybe he's just uh, interpreting that from Marner said, this is just a tweet I saw on my timeline right now. I don't want to, uh, I, I didn't hear it myself. So maybe this is someone misconstruing his words, but it seems like with what Marner said, plus Dreger seems like he's going to be out long-term longer and I, than three games. Yeah. And, and so I, I don't wonder know why you wouldn't put him on LTIR right away. Is but I guess a, they haven't gotten the diagnosis. They're probably looking at a specialist or something. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I can't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure we're all. We're like, like, if we're sitting here saying, oh, a crew cap space, a crew cap space, a crew cap space, like Kyle Dubas is probably thinking the same thing. He probably just either can't or Muzzin's going to be back earlier than we think. But in the meantime, we got Victor Mete, smooth skating Victor Mete. So that'll be actually a, a little bit of a welcome thing to the lineup is uh, a little bit of speed 
from that Victor Mete there. Yeah, and I'm excited to see him play. He's going to be in a very, very safe and sheltered role with um, with Mark Giordano. I think his defensive game is a lot not it's not amazing. Don't get me wrong, but it's a lot better than what people credit credit him for. I think it's a little better than people credit him for, specifically with his puck retrieval skills and breakout ability. Uh, He he needs to work on his net front ability. Yes, he's a smaller guy, so that stuff might just not be. It's hard. It's harder for him. That's for sure. But he might be a guy where he's paired with the perfect guy, though. Exactly right. So and and that that might be a a good looking third pair going forward. Who knows, right? Like if. If if uh, the the Muzzin injury is a long term thing, and if the uh, if we don't we don't know the status of Lilligren yet, he's going to be out another six games at the very minimum. So it, it'll be comfortable little pair yeah. to watch for the next uh, couple games. That's something if like we should all be keeping an eye on how Mete plays because uh, I think if he plays well with the injuries we've sustained right now, he probably won't be getting sent down through waivers, no. uh, and he'll be either. And if a he doesn't defense. play well, it's Philip Kraus right in exactly. So. so a little bit of pressure, but uh, I think he's up for the task. I watched a little bit over the weekend, the Marlies, and he looks to be skating way better than everyone else in the AHL. So that was very encouraging to see. Um, yeah. Another note that we had here. Um, what have you thought? I wanted to get into this earlier. What have you thought about Keith's comments about the big guy stepping up and then him backtracking that today? Well, it makes sense why he backtracked it because simple enough like that. We we're, we're in the, the Toronto media, right? People yeah. will take that stuff and run. People already have done that, but at the same time, like he already said it, it's tough to go back on it. And I'm sure the yeah. players weren't too happy about it because Mitch again, Martin it, didn't seem too happy about it. I he mean, said, how, we keep these things closed doors. We had a meeting about it blah, blah, to, for him to clarify, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. And, and also like, I'm sorry, the onus is also on the coach to, prepare our players to be ready for the game right like the role of the coach is not only just strategy right we have five other assistant coaches who deal with offensive strategy defensive strategy power play strategy penalty kill strategy all those things i'm sure sheldon keep has a hand in all of them as well probably gives his opinion shares it around um but like part of your job as a coach is to motivate your players every single game to go out there and give it their all and if you're not doing that that's more on you than the players i'm sorry and and I, i think it's a very common thing in hockey to blame it on the players but at the end of the day your job is to motivate them. And if they're not motivated, it's probably your fault. Yeah, could be. Could also mean like they're yeah, unmotivated by them, need a new voice. But uh Yeah. But I feel it, like I, you can't help but feel like I'm not saying fire Keith, but he's kind of on the hot seat, is he not? Well, absolutely. I, I if I'm a player, if I'm Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and I got two goals for my depth depth in, in the playoffs last year and I and my coach comes out and says that four four games in four four games into the season, I'd be pretty pissed because where was that last year when we only had two depth goals uh, from our from our uh, depth forwards? Where was that last year? Why weren't we calling yeah. them out? Right? We should have called them out. I mean, the Leafs do try to assign them more defensively. This is what I do want to get. What have you thought of the depth so far? I mean, well, last game obviously was not there, but the fourth line gets those defensive minutes. The third line. Trying to find itself, kind of thing. What have you thought about them? Well, those guys in particular, I haven't really noticed the fourth line, so I'd say that's a pretty good thing, right? I haven't really noticed them making yeah. any colossal mistakes. I haven't noticed them. I've noticed them in the offensive zone, kind of do nothing and dead end plays, but that's not what that line is built for. Um, seems like they're just kind of doing their role. So, um, no, I thought no... It, was, it looked okay at times against Ottawa, but like overall, I don't think it's been that great. And I mean, it goes back to what I said earlier. Like all these guys are dash two on the year. And I don't think any of that's from empty net goals. Um, like, and they, they haven't generated anything other side of David, David camp, like Aston Reese and, uh, and um, what's his name? Abe Kubel, Abe Kubel have done absolutely zero offensively. They haven't even sent pucks to the net at all. And all these guys are crash. Like, all three of those guys are good at like crashing the net, finding those rebounds, being tough, all that. Like they haven't gotten anything to the net at all. So if you're providing zero offensively is like, even if it's a little bit back defense, you're still a negative. And I feel like it hasn't propped up the top lines well enough for it to be justified. I mean, we were speaking in our group chat today. I mean, could it be worth it? Maybe switch Engvall and like Aston Reese kind of give, 
that third line, a little bit more jam, a little bit more physicality. He likes to play the net front screen, the goalie, that kind of thing. And then put Engvall in the fourth line where you get a little bit more speed, a little bit more ability to transport the puck. Like I do see that as a possibility is Aston Reese an ideal third line player. Absolutely not. It's a, it's a big upgrade spot when you're looking at that trade deadline crew, that cap space, baby. Um, but yeah, I don't think the depth has done enough. I mean, Cali Yarncroft had a tough, tough game against Arizona. He's got two points this year. I think he's been okay. Kerfoot is an interesting one, and I want to hear your thoughts on him so far this year. Um, honestly, I don't even know what to say. He's, it feels like he's kind of been what he's always been. I guess more more of what he was last year. It's kind of still yeah. the similar player, but I just don't think he's that that player that elevates this team to like the next level in my yeah. eyes. I don't, I don't know if I'm just stuck on this because I feel like I've been stuck on like as least fans, we've kind of been stuck on this for three years. He's the perfect guy to upgrade on to make your team better. Like yeah. salary cap in and out. Like that's the guy you would move to make your team a little bit better uh, for what he does. It's great. I just wish we'd get a little bit more out of him. And I don't know if yeah. we're, we're ever going to get that. My thing with Kerfoot this year, I'm following, I'm falling almost into the same trap. I'll call it as last year. Kerfoot, like he's still, he has one point this year in four games, right? He's playing third line, played a little bit of top line last game, got a goal taken away from him as well. Like when I look at each game, Montreal game looked pretty solid, drew a penalty shot, had that penalty shot. It was not the greatest move, but whatever. I think had some other chances in there. The other three games he's been like a really good at transporting the puck up the ice. I mean, I think Saturday he, he led the Leafs in zone entries um, I have a really nice clip of him, like putting, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the word, I really wanted to use a really cool adverb, but I don't have one because I'm stupid. Um, anyways, he made Jake Sanderson look like a complete moron on his own entry. He walked in Anton Forsberg made a nice save, um, against Washington. He had that really nice assist to Cali Yarncroc. Um, and then, as I mentioned against the coyotes had that goal taken back, right? Like, I feel like he's buzzing out there, but again, it's more of this guy can't finish. Like, I can't keep compiling all these chances and being like, wow, what a player, because the puck is just never going to end up in the net. And if the puck never ends up in the net, these, all these great plays are for nothing. Eventually you just have to say that they're for nothing. The puck's just never going in. You have to accept these are tops, 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 this best, best, best 15 goals. Like, yeah, it's not going to get any better, but yeah, and he's passing the puck. So maybe like when you look at the data too, the zone entry data, like John Tavares and William Nylander, like they haven't given Nylander enough chances to enter the zone with the puck. And I think that's where adding Robertson, taking out Malgan will help. But like, when I looked at last game's data, I'm like, wow, like maybe like player X who had a lot of zone entries could help line two with their zone entries who didn't have that many. And guess who player X was? It was Alex Kerfoot. And we've seen this line again. I don't need to see it. We've seen this line before. I don't need to see it again. So I understand when you're saying, oh, we can upgrade on Kerfoot. Like, I have to take off the blinders. I have to, like, I don't know, just say yes. Like, get rid of this guy. <laughs> I can't keep falling back into these same traps. It's, it's nothing against the player. It's just. We've seen this before, unfortunately. I, I mean, how many players at age 20, is he 29 now? Age 94 born, so 98, 28, sorry. 28, yeah. How many guys at twenty after 28 tend to get improve upon their game? It's a very like rare, rare thing that only elite players end up doing and, and can sustain themselves. Usually yeah. around 28, that's when you start to like teeter off and decline, right? Yeah. And we, it, it, it doesn't feel like it, but he's been on this team for four years now. Yeah. This is his fourth, it's his fourth year. And it's like, how many times are we going to make Alex Kerfoot happen? It's not going to happen. Ups and downs. Like, like, not, like if he was getting paid not that much, if he was on that like old Zach Hyman contract 2.2, yeah. like if it was okay, yeah, sure. Depth, like provide a little bit of speed, penalty killing ability, like passing the puck and everything. Sure. But it's like at three and a half, especially at the deadline on an expiring deal, I feel like you could parlay that into something much, much better. Uh, in terms of the other player that, want to touch on a little bit Pierre Engvall I he missed camp I feel like give him a little bit of time right yeah yeah that's fair fair enough for Pierre Engvall um 
Yeah, he's a, he, he's a, he falls in the same group. I li- I like Pierre Engvall. It's I'm very outspoken about him. I think he's a good player, but like he falls into kind of the same group as Alexander. Same Kerfoot. trap. We're gonna, you're yeah. gonna fall into the same. It's trap gonna be the same thing where these guys it, we're gonna get the playoffs, and both of them are gonna do diddly. Yeah, and he he does <laughs> he does the little things good, right? He's good at transitioning the puck. He's solid. He's forward with a long stick. Good in zone defensive play. Very very. Uh, I got to say above average for a bot for a bottom six player in, in his in zone defense, much better than a, a, a bottom six player at transitioning the puck. But once it gets in the zone, he can't score. It's like can't score because he stinks at off uh, offensively. He's no instinct. Uh, his hands are pretty terrible. He's just got like it's straight line speed and velocity with his shot. And, and unfortunately and I- he's having trouble kind of, figuring out what to do with some of these zone entries. He was a monster against Montreal. He hasn't done too, too much since. Yeah. And uh, maybe there's... a trip to the fourth line. Is, I mean, with Pierre Engvall, it's still the same old Pierre Engvall. If you scratch him, he's going to come back and play better. Yeah. I've seen this multiple times. Fair enough. Maybe he just needs a kick in the can, but I also think you're right in the sense that we shouldn't punish him for being injured and missing camp. We should yeah. give him, he's been on this team for a couple of years now. We're in the, we in know the what to fourth and third line role. We should give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. Expect yeah. him to move back. Uh, maybe next week or the week after, if we're still saying the same things, that's the time where we pull him out. And you know what? Like as much as it sucks that we have injuries and we've uh, kind of have cap inefficiencies as a result of those injuries. Uh, I, I'm happy to see Wayne Simmons back up just as a, someone who's nipping at the butt to like get into the lineup. You know what I mean? Jam because presence, jam yeah. presence, veteran. I'm sure Sheldon Keith, if you're a player in the room, you know that you, we want to put Simmons in. I mean, as a player in the room, you want Simmons in the lineup. He, yeah. I'm sure he's a great locker room guy and everyone want what's best for him, but you don't want that to be at your expense. So I kind of like that Simmons is up there nipping at the butt yeah. and nipping at the heels of these guys. Hell yeah. Love that. Um, we don't have much more time, so let's get into upcoming. We have the, uh, we have the Dallas stars. Winnipeg Jets on Saturday, Dallas Stars Thursday, Winnipeg Jets Saturday. And then we get into our West Coast trip. The next game before we record again is going to be the Knights. I mean, the Stars are undefeated to start. Vegas just lost their first game the other day. All three of these teams have really good goaltending and can really shut you down. So let's hope the Leafs learn from uh, the Coyotes. I mean, I was watching the Stars a little bit. They've got some good four checkers. I mean, this, the hits numbers haven't shown yet. I mean, they're one of the lower teams in the league right now. I calculated it in terms of hits per game right now. However, I mean, Radic Faxa hits. Tyler Sagan's not afraid to throw the body. Mason Marchment's a big body. Uh, Jason Robertson's okay with hitting. Yuri Hakampaka, I don't know, even know how to pronounce his name, but he hits a ton as well. They have, a, they have some good transition offense. They have some guys that can carry the puck. They have some guys that can forecheck, and they have to, some guys that can really make you pay. It's a good Dallas Stars team. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I honestly like the way that they mold their defense. They seem to have like a specific type of player that they look for on defense in Hack, Hack and Paw and some, some of the other guys you, you listed there. Um, Colin Miller, third pairing. He's Colin, a, yeah. He's an RA like, third pairing. They, they obviously have a mold that they like to stick to, but um, – yeah, like 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 you said, those all three teams have fantastic, like pretty good goaltending. Two of them fantastic goaltending. One of them teetering to become a, a maybe Logan Thompson, maybe like honestly He's looking good. I, see, it's four games in the season, but dare I say the V word for him? No, well you could say the Calder. I mean, is he a Calder? I had my I, I, Logan. I oh. I don't yeah, think he he's is. eligible. He yeah, played he how is. many games did he played last Thompson year. Is. Isn't it different for goalies? Maybe not. Well, no, I, it's not. I believe I mean, he's a anyways, but Vesna, he's he's climbing the ranks. We'll say that. Yeah. I saw today and I like this one before we end. How about Ilya Sorokin for Vesna? Plus two plus twelve hundred. If looks, the Islanders make the playoffs, they haven't given they've given up like six goals in three games right now. I could see Sorokin getting a lot of love. Yeah, it all depends on how much, how, how many games Var, Varlamov plays, right? Yeah, but I, I still think Sorokin can, uh, can string together enough where it's like those numbers are uh, juicy and he gets a, the, at least a nom. I, I agree. And it's a little, little, good little bit of foreshadowing here. But um, I, I was just going to say with Varlamov, I think he has to separate himself from Varlamov in the eyes of the public as a 1A, 1B and separate himself and be a 1. Because yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how often a guy who's a 1A has won with a one B at his side. I don't know. Honestly, that'd be something to look into how many uh, games they're back. The lowest plays. amount of games played by a goaltender to win the Vesna. That is yeah. a really good point. I mean, 
And it happened with Anderson, a few, Craig Anderson, a few years ago. He didn't yeah. play enough games, had the sickest numbers in the league, but didn't get enough games in because of injury to be nominated for the Vesna. But uh, that is a very, very good, something I'll look into for sure. But yeah, Ilya Sorokin. And yeah, that's my uh, pick. I like um, that. I like that. Um, anything else to get into? We had around the league. I don't know if we have time for that. Uh, I could probably do it quick. Let's let's just let's just jump in it quickly. Most surprising start. Who do you got? Most surprising start right now for me. Oh, the Philadelphia Flyers, hands yeah, down. I thought this sure. team was going to be terrible. They've won some games, and you know what? When a an old school coach comes in and makes a, a country club atmosphere not that, uh, it's probably a, a welcome addition for them. But for sure, the Philadelphia Flyers for me. Yeah, same here. Philadelphia Flyers. They're what three and zero now. Three and zero, four and zero, three and zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, unsurprised, like a negative surprising start. The Vancouver Canucks cannot hold on to a lead for their lives. I think they've blown three leads with multi goals, uh, multi goal leads this year already. They're like four games in. Yeah, but, r- r- rumors of Bruce there it is being Bruce there it isn't. Maybe him ooh, on the way out. But um, that was awful. I'm sorry. That was um, but <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe uh, keep Bruce. There's that. the door. Bruce, there's the door. There you go. That's better. But um, maybe it's not really his see, fault. Management built a terrible team. I I, I know, but terrible hey, defensive you, team. You got you got to scapegoat someone, right? You can't exactly. can't say it's my fault. You got to say it's his. Uh, and I wonder if they're looking at Barry Trotz. Maybe I don't know. I just complete speculation there. He's. I think a, there are nine different teams looking at Barry Trotz. One hundred percent. It's kind of funny. There really should be thirty-two teams, honestly, but Ooh. maybe not thirty-two, but like. More than 15. Like he's definitely gotcha. a top 15 coach in the NHL right now. Um, and I wonder if, I wonder if the Leafs, uh, take to, to, if Bruce, Bruce Boudreau gets fired, I wonder if that's someone who can maybe come on and join Kyle Dubas's, uh, stock in Bruce, uh, what Barry Trotz's, uh, LinkedIn page late at night. <laughs> what you think Kyle Dubas is looking at that? You think he is? No, no, no. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I think Bruce Boudreaux makes more sense for the Leafs right now. Obviously he's a head coach. If he gets fired, it makes more sense than Barry Trotz just because the connections there. And I think Bruce Boudreaux would be over the moon about it. On top of that, I think this is like kind of a fire needed for Sheldon Keefe. We'll see Ooh. if it happens. No, we'll, we'll, we'll see if it happens then. Uh, uh, yeah. If it happens, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. To close out the other two pieces, Ekblad out uh, long-term. That's going to be a tough go for the Panthers defense. And then Landis Cog out 12 weeks uh, to end off based on what you were saying with uh, Sheldon Keefe. I woke up on, on Tuesday morning after that Monday game, so ready to fire Keefe because I had a dream that the Leafs lost to Montreal 10-3. <laughs> Engvall scored to make it 10-3. It was 10-2. So, damn. Anywho, thanks everyone for listening. It's been a great episode. Go Leafs go.